Okay, back here in studio with my buddy Joel Hall. How you doing? I'm doing great, Jeff. How are you? You you are the first podcast, and now we're in my actual studio with the whole setup going. It's still a little bit clunky. We got some wires to deal with, but what do you think? It's lovely. Looks really great. It's you've moved uptown, so to speak. I have moved up. Well, now we're midtown. So yeah, you moved midtown. What what? This isn't my home, but we're going to talk about redistricting. Where am I at now? We're in Lake Otis and Tudor. I isn't, believe is, you are in the new midtown seat, uh, right here, House District 13, aren't you? Because somebody told me they were on some part of Lake Otis, and now they were in the Muldoon district or something, and they were like, I don't, I never go to Muldoon. Oh, I think that would have been a Senate pairing issue. Uh, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah I was yeah, talking yeah. Senate. Yeah. But um, I want to talk a lot about the redistricting process. So they've done the Senate pairings. It's still, as of this recording, we're still kind of trying to figure out um, how many exactly seats are up. We think 14 Senate seats, is that kind of what? Uh, right. It's unclear right now how many we know for sure. What? We know there's 11, but okay. I think there's probably more because that would only be, normally there's always 10, right? We have a 20-member Senate, and half of them are always up. Mm-hmm. While no, you talk, I'm going to count these no, one more So time. in 2012, the last redistricting, there was 17 Senate seats up. And That's basically, 10. Basically, they kind of... The, the way they do it is if the districts change kind of substantially, and I guess that's up for debate what that means, but if it changes enough, then that seat that was a two-year seat becomes up this year. People that got elected in 2020, I guess, for 2022. Generally, I think today they used this this number. In previous years, they will use a fixed number, like 70%. Mm-hmm. Per, uh, if your district is 70% the same, then you are not what they call truncated, meaning... You don't have to run again because your district is substantially similar. So if you're up, if you're not up, and your district is substantially similar, you should not have to run again. Case in point, Bert's Deadman. District's almost identical. He just won last year. And he won last year, and he is, his district's almost identical. And so if, you know, they don't do the, they sh- so arguably he should not have to run this year. So that's how that works. And... With the way the Senate pairings have gone, you know, there's a, there's a lot of shaking around, especially in the Anchorage and the Mount Sioux areas. And, of course, it's logical in the Mount Sioux. T- so much population mm-hmm. has moved they, around out there. They gained, like, a, a house Almost seat, Almost a right? whole house seat. Mm-hmm. By, by, by the population move. Right. So, so I want to talk a little bit about um, what happened in the last couple of days. Now, I've been following this process uh, not super closely, but I've definitely been following it. And we're, we're over a year now. Um, just for the listeners, the, 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 they changed this about 20 years ago. The governor used to pick everybody, right? Correct. And then they changed it. So the Dave governor- Donnelly changed that, FYI. A Dave Donnelly bill that uh, was put before the voters. Because he, he got um, he got screwed, didn't he? Along, didn't he get, when he was in the Senate and he got the redistricting, they got him. Because he was, he, he switched parties even. Well, he switched parties, but then, well, I don't know if he got screwed. Hollis French. I think it was redistricting that might have put him into a seat that he, I remember I heard him talking about it once and I was like, dude, it's been like 20, like get over it. Well, he, he just lost to Hollis French. So, so um, governor gets two. So in this case, right. Bud Simpson, Beth, Bethany Markham. Correct. The Speaker of the House at the time, Bryce Edgman, got one, which was... Um, Nicole. Uh, Nicole Borromeo. Uh-huh. And then the Senate President, Kathy Giesel, at the time, got one, John Binkley. Correct. And then the um, Chief Justice got one, which is uh, Melanie Banky. Correct. So that's the five-member board. 
Now, up until this point, from my observation, it's before this whole Senate thing kind of got sideways, everything seemed to be kind of fair. Would you agree with that? The house, all the house stuff. I mean, it was back and forth and there was some debate, but it seemed to be kind of more, nothing really changed dramatically as far as the, the makeup of the whole state and the Biden Trump districts and all that. Is that kind of right? I think what I would say is, you know, they were five people working to comply with the constitution as best as they could. They had tough, they have some tough, there's some tough trade-offs in this state, right? There's always, there's always going to be a situation where some people end up with people they don't want to be with or like, like Valdez. Valdez does not want to be the Matsu. Matsu doesn't want Valdez. Uh, but Valdez was 4,000 people who had to go somewhere and they ended up in a place they didn't want to be. Um, that's really tough. It's always tough. Like that's always happening into some, some subset of our neighbors over the course of every redistricting, but arguably but it wasn't a partisan thing and it wasn't a, you know, it, it might be on the edge of having some constitutional issues in terms of socioeconomic integration. Was there a better way to do the map than the way the board did it in terms of house parent house design to accommodate those things? Absolutely. The AFFR plan was better. But they weren't going to adopt the AFFR So what's plan. AFFR? It's Alaskans for Fair. Alaskans for Fair Redistricting. And I'm the chair of Alaskans for Fair. I've been involved um, in the last decade. And then prior to that, I was kind of peripherally involved in the 2000 cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is just a group of organizations that come together because redistricting in Alaska, one of the things that's really cool about the way we do redistricting here is we have the five-member appointment, like you said. And then... It becomes a game anybody can play. All you have to do is buy the software and have somebody who knows how to use it and you can submit maps into the record. So into the record this year, many parties submitted maps. So, so there's AFFR and then there's AFFER, right? Correct. That's Alaskans for Fair and Equitable Redistricting. Right. That's Randy Redrick's Randy group. Randy Redrick's group. Now, I got to say these names, I always joke, they sound very Orwellian. They do. They do. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. And then you have the Senate minority who has submitted maps. You have Doyon submitting maps and they were in part of a coalition. Then you'll have communities that submitted maps, like I think the Matt Sue submitted maps. So anybody can submit maps into the record. And the board, the board did two of their own map dra- draft maps. Correct. They did version three and version four is what they were for, and then they took almost all of those maps out on the road and brought them to the citizens in about over twenty public meetings all over the state of Alaska. And then they're supposed to take all that, and then they come back, they take some input, and then they redraw. The map. Um, well, that's the, when the sparks started to fly. One of the one of the big inputs we heard, I think, was in, so- in Southeast and the Juno in both of the board's maps, they paired Hannon and Story, both Democratic reps, in that one little thing that became known as the Story Slice, where literally a fucking straight line for miles and miles and miles. And then mm-hmm. it happens to just literally just go, scoop, like carve out right around right. your house. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody was like, how'd that happen? Yeah, well, they got an earful when they went to Juneau. I mean, um, I mean how, how does this work when they say, like, I've asked some of the board members. They say, we don't know where people live. We don't look at their houses. Okay, maybe they don't actually look it up, but they already know. I mean, this is, like, kind of crazy that they don't, they say they don't. Even today and yesterday, they're talking about how we don't know where, we're not trying to see where people live, or we don't have no idea where. It's like they're, they're, they're kind of claiming ignorance on this. But I think they all know more or less what's going on. Yeah, it's... um. Some places it's entirely obvious, like you made the observation earlier. They were talking about Kodiak, and somebody mentioned Senator Stevens, and they they you know they started clutching their pearls, and it's like everyone knows Gary Stevens lives in Kodiak. It's it's not that's not a shock, right? So 
they're not supposed to take in uh, incumbent. They're not supposed to be looking at an incumbent layer. They're not supposed to be taking into account where incumbents live. But this happened. I mean, this happened in twenty. When I ran, I ran in twenty twelve. Back when I was kind of mm-hmm. on the on the far right side of things when I was a candidate against Liesel, who was in the coalition. Right. And I remember at the time, everybody was talking about redistricting. The point is to break up the Senate bipartisan coalition. Like, th- th- not the board members, but I mean, everybody was saying that. And that's right. exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the result. Well, you know, um, sometimes you just can't help it. And we live in small towns. We know where people live. And some people are going to have to inevitably get uh, paired or correct I mean, that's just you can't avoid some of that with- it's it always happens in every 10-year cycle and, and and the issue is always you know you can have a like it could be a bloodletting or it can be onesies and twosies and um in this particular map that they've that they've adopted while there's you know clearly issues with the senate side that happened in the last two days in the house side you know really not as bad as it could have been and some of these pairings were just um not pretty understandable. I mean, going back to the house thing, which I thought was really interesting, it was really noticed, was there was a big debate about the Anchorage map last week, and Bud Simpson, who was appointed by Dunleavy, who's married to Paulette Simpson, who's big in the Capital City Republican women, or Capital City Republicans, um, he ended up voting for the Anchorage map with Melanie and Nicole, uh-huh. which I think, to me, was kind of surprising. I, was that, did that surprise you? Uh, yeah, I was surprised. Because um, Bethany was, Markham was putting out her kind of idea for Anchorage. Right. Um, and there was a, there was a debate about that. Well, you know, it was interesting when you, when they put the maps up side by side and, um, side by side, there's no contest. So for the listeners benefit, the rule in maps making here in Alaska is there's three factors that the constitution requires you to think of the Alaska constitution, compact, contiguous, and socioeconomically integrated. Compact means for the purposes of redistricting, as close to a rectangle as humanly possible. So you can't have these weird things going on. You can't like have appendages. Pin, you can't have pinwheel. fingers. Yeah, pinwheel, you, they call it, right? Yeah, you can't do... You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to minimize it. And if even if you move a census block that's out of a straight line, people are going to say, why do? You, why is this not a straight line? Right. So as square as possible. And then, of course, Senate seats have to be two House districts that touch one another. And then socioeconomic integration is, is a tricky thing. It's re- I'm really glad it's in the Alaska Constitution. It means a lot. And so what that stops from happening is, for example, you can't drop a pin in the middle of Fairbanks and do a radiate out and then just cut like a pie out from Fairbanks and take everything from Fairbanks out to whatever ocean they're going to hit first. You can't do that. That's it's, the pin- pinwheeling, right? We see that in other, like Texas, like mm-hmm. they'll take part of Dallas or Austin, they'll go way out and grab the rule. So they'll right. kind of distribute the... the um, Maybe the, the, the minority or maybe the more de- progressive voters into districts with more rural yeah, um, right. conservative voters. That's unconstitutional in Alaska because it defies socioeconomic integration, which is great. And it's also not compact or con- it might be contiguous, but it's not compact. What do you call it? Packing and cracking? Packing and, oh, packing and cracking is a different thing. Oh, that's different. Okay. That's different. We'll, yeah. get, we'll get to that. <clears throat> we'll get to that. Yeah. So these maps, when you look at them side by side, when you looked at version three and version four, which was the conversation, the board, the board's, the board's draft, version draft three and the board's version four, version four was visibly more compact. There was just no way around it, and so confronted with that evidence in his face, uh, Bud Simpson understood that this is a map that would inspire a 
significant court case and would destroy every single, would change every single house seat because you would come back and have to redraw all of it. That's Anchorage. where the, dom- the domino starts. Right. And, and in Anchorage, you know, if you have to redraw everything, you have to redo everything. But if the, the other map, which was just not that different in terms of the arrangement of the humans, it just was neater. Just, and that matters a lot in redistricting. How square are your edges? How many right corners are there? So who drew, Mel- Melanie drew one and Bethany drew, drew one, right? Is that kind of? Uh, Nicole drew version four, okay. by and large, was the one they adopted. And Melanie, I mean, uh, Bethany ad- uh, drew version three, which is the one they did not adopt. No, no, I don't know if the board takes into consideration. You'd think there would be some consideration where, like, Bethany lives in Anchorage. Binkley lives, I guess, southeast, but he's from Fairbanks. Correct. Bud lives in Southeast. Um, Melanie lives, she's in Nome, right? Yes. So uh-huh. so do they take into like, hey, Bethany, I'm in Anchorage. Let me tell you guys about Anchorage. Binkley, hey, I'm, I'm from Fairbanks. Let me tell you about Fairbanks. Do they kind of, I mean, they've talked about that, but that doesn't, they don't have any more advantages for those areas they're from well, when it comes to the map. The beginning of this process, they were very, very deferential to the people who are from those communities. By and large, they kind of let the people from those communities map those communities. And okay, that's great up to a point, right? But but what happened, if we're going to go into the Wayback Machine, John Binkley, who mapped Fairbanks, was hard over on not breaking the Fairbanks borough boundary. Okay, well, that sounds good. There's definitely case law that says... They, they try not to break the uh, That you're not boundaries. supposed to break borough boundaries as, if you can avoid it. And um, if you do, you break them in one direction only. The problem is... Fairbanks is overpopulated by 4,000 people. So every single one of those districts had a deviation. And a deviation means in order to start redistricting, the first thing you do is take the total number of humans in the census and divide it by 40. That's your magic number. So anytime you deviate from that number is a deviation. What's that number, 18,000 something? Yeah, it's like 18,835 or something. How much can you deviate? It's plus or minus 10% statewide maximum allowable for the Voting Rights Act. Those deviations, big deviations like that, are generally only allowable between rural and urban areas, right? So for example, the North Slope of Alaska is uh, slightly overpopulated over that number by just a few hundred people. So they allowed that bigger deviation because in order to solve for it, you would have to break a borough boundary and now start having some serious social economic integration issues on the North Slope. However, in the city of Anchorage, you can't have that big of a deviation between two Anchorage house districts, right? The mm-hmm. city itself needs to be as tight as it possibly can, preferably with under 1%. Well, it's, and it's already more, obviously more dense. Correct. And yeah. we're all, but for the purposes of this process, we know we have neighborhoods. We know that we have socioeconomic integration with certain parts of town versus other. Like, we live in Spinard, we shop in Spinard. We live in South Anchorage, we shop in South Anchorage. But for the purposes of this exercise, this constitutional exercise, all of Anchorage is by definition socioeconomically integrated. Okay. Every borough is. Fairbanks kind of too? It's the borough. Borough. The borough is so, considered by definition. So talk to me, and this is the one that I think if your people are watching this, it's kind of the really strange one, this Cronk district. Right. And we're looking at here. I got the, we're, we're eventually I'm going to be doing the podcast and video as well. It's okay. the, the big goal here. So yeah. if anybody's listening and they want to sponsor us for some equipment, <laughs> <laughs> this stuff ain't cheap, but we're looking here at the map, the Cronks district, which is like it's 36. Now, right. this is so strange because it, it literally wraps around Fairbanks. Correct. And it goes all the way down here to 
What's one of these? I mean, Chitna, even below that. McCarthy, Car- yeah, it goes down to the bottom of the Wrangell St. Elias. And then the other end of it, it goes down to Holy Cross. Right. And then it wraps around uh, the valley, the Matsu Valley and Fairbanks. So, that, but that district's always kind of like that. It's just a weird district, right? Yes. This district always looks a little bit like this. What's different this year is that um, there was a lot of movement and advocacy by Doyan and Atna to create this district. And what they wanted to do is sometimes they, um, this district gets clipped off to the north or to the southwest. And so you end up having Doyan villages represented by a Bethel district or Doyan villages represented by in a Nana district or like in a North Slope district. Mm-hmm. And they were trying really hard to keep all of their villages in the same district. Doyan wanted everybody right. in the same district. Now, this is bigger than Doyan because on that right-hand side, you know, if you're looking at the map of Alaska and you're looking up the east side of our Canadian border, that's the Atna region. And Atna and Doyan worked together to build this map to have maximum um, representation of their villages inside this one enormous district. Now, is this the biggest district or is this North Slope District? This pro- probably is bigger. Oh, gosh, that's, that's a good Pretty question. Close. But this I is, don't know. This it's is massive. The, this is one of the biggest districts. I mean, this is bigger than probably half this. I mean, probably a third of the states. Or, yeah, oh, absolutely. This is huge. It's massive, yeah. So, so the, the North Slope Borough one and then the Bethel... This didn't change, I guess North Slope, yeah, so then the North Slope one and then the the Bethel, Western Alaska, didn't change much, did it, these house districts? No, just slightly, but they've basically remained the same. And Dillingham as well, so we got Bryce Edgman there. Yes. um, So go back to that packing and cracking, what's that that about? Packing and cracking is, packing is when you, it's generally considered, uh, for the purposes of partisanship or race, it's when you... Uh, let's just, let's say, for example, you wanted to pack Anchorage. You know, the most progressive neighborhoods in Anchorage are the downtown. Mm-hmm. And so what you would do is you take as many precincts as you could around downtown and stuff as many progressives in it as you could instead of, and then designing out from there and trying to get them all into one district. So, di- do- so diminishing their Ability to have more than one seat, like packing it full of one thing or another. Mm-hmm. And that thing could be a partisan profile or it could be a race. Now you can't, my understanding is that you can't bring lawsuits or litigation about partisan. You can't say there's too many Republicans, there's too many Democrats, but but you can about race, right? You can say there's, you're, you're mixing, you're putting this group with this, with this group and you shouldn't do that. You can sue over the racial component, right? Well, you, it's, it's. A little complicated, but um, the Voting Rights Act is, and, and we're still subject to aspects of it in Alaska. Has it got, re- I mean, repealed, or I guess it got... It partially. Partially. In the state of Alaska, we used to be subject to something called um, preclearance. And what that meant was our map had to be pre-cleared by the Department of Justice to ensure that we were not infringing on the rights of, uh, in this, in our case, Alaska Natives. But this pro- this particular piece of the Voting Rights Act protected uh, black people in the South as well, mm-hmm. right? So it's all about- that's, pre- that's where it really kind of came from, right? It was a Southern right. Right. issue exactly. civil rights. Exactly. So you were protecting their ability to elect a candidate of their choice. Now, the Voting Rights Act kind of um, entertains the notion of majority-minority. It's an issue of majority-minority seats, right? So in Alaska, our only, our only truly defined majority-minority seats- that's not true. 
there's two types of majority and minority seats. One is majorities of one ethnic group, rural Alaska. So it is majorities of Alaska Native people. And then you have in the, our urban center, we have majority minority districts that are minority coalition seats. So, so like a Hispanic, Islander, Black. Exactly. So Asian. In, in Alaska, you know, we have some of the most diverse census tracts in America. The diversity here is they are the, that diverse minority coalition is the majority of the voters in many of the districts on the east side. So, so this segues right into the Senate pairing issue. Yes. Which, so yesterday, and first I want to just say that it was kind of unclear because Beth, Bethany had four versions and then they were going back and forth. And then Melanie had her version, which Nicole was, was for for Anchorage and then it went back and forth and there was this attempt to go to executive session and they and they eventually kind of Binkley did you watch that where Binkley kind of said okay well we're just going to go with the majority and they moved on right Bank, it was so quick that Banky thought they were just no consensus they were moving on but they actually approved it was unclear what they approved because there were so many versions Bethany put forward right um, but then they went back and then I got her to tell me what, what you know what are the versions and she was even having a check to make sure so it was almost like a rubber stamp but, but what they did do yesterday before this changed was I was basically in an identical Senate district that I've been in and it was open mm-hmm. and I tweeted that. Yeah. Maybe they saw that. You think, you think they're paying attention to my tweets? I, I, I doubt I it. I know you hope so, but I I'm hope not so. sure. But yeah. so, the, but that, but that would have been open. That would have been, I mean, I'm not running for nothing because yeah. it's toxic down there. Yeah. Yeah. But, but now it's changed and, um, you're talking about this this minority majority thing. Now, one of these Senate seats, so they broke up Eagle River. That was the big debate. Right. And they did that. Now, this one over here, we're looking out of the map. So this is the Reinbold seat, right? Correct. And, Reinbold currently is an incumbent in that seat. And it goes all the way, and then the, like one of the House reps is Snyder. Correct. And it goes all the way into like... Northern you know, Lights, Ar- Beaver Place. It goes to Cheney Lake. Arnold Muldoon Park, but over here on Anchorage, yeah. Like Cheney yeah. Lake, Baxter Bog... Um, I mean, this is like soup. This is not baggage middle school. To me, this is not, <laughs> do these folks go to Eagle River? <laughs> Never. No, they don't go to or Eagle, do Eagle River. River folks go there. Well, Eagle River folks, um, uh, I'm sure Eagle River folks go to Takotnu. That's in there, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's on the other side. <laughs> look, look at how, look at how close Bill Wilikowski's has. Bill Wilikowski's house is to that district. Right. I mean, literally, he can he can see the boundary from his house. <laughs> I'm sure he can. Yeah. It's, it's so close. You can see yep. on the map here. Right. So yep. so now the Senate pairings. My, my understanding is there's a lot more leeway in the Senate pairings, right, than the House stuff. But as as do you see this as being like? I mean, this to me kind of glaringly putting two different groups together. I think it's problematic. Uh, there's a couple things. Um, the if you had paired. For example, in the Muldoon, the way they've drawn Muldoon for the people who are listening <clears throat> is that there's a northern tip of Muldoon, which gets, it's part of Jay Bear, kind of like how it is now, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's middle Muldoon, <laughs> which is kind of like where you're thinking about like Fred Myers, all that area there. And then further down Muldoon, like to the bottom of the Tudor curve, right? So there's a like a wall. Where, where the old of, dollar theater is. Or, yeah. I, I think, so there's like a there. line of districts along the east side like that. If you leave, if you had done the pairing, which is the rational pairing, which is you pair the top of Muldoon with the bottom of Muldoon, that district has a, has a majority minority coalition district. So instead what they've done is they've paired 
a huge majority minority coalition district with Eagle River. And they will, and their voting propensities are highly different. So um, what we may have here is a case of, um, we might have a Voting Rights Act issue going on here. Because they've put a whole bunch of minority folks in with a, in whole, with bunch a of, whole bunch of really white people. So the other district now in Eagle River, that I'm lo- we're looking at the map here, mm-hmm. this ends up being an open seat, right? Open in the Senate. Open Senate yes. seat. So mm-hmm. who, the, the House reps there are, it's actually three. It's McCarty, Merrick, and Nelson are the House reps in yes. those two districts because McCarty and Merrick got paired. Now this sucker puts Jay Bear, Elmendorf, mm-hmm. with Eagle, with kind of, now where's Eagle River here? This is, it's kind of splits. Here's downtown. So downtown Eagle River is in the, yeah. the Muldoon one, right? Right. So that's got to be Eagle River Road. Mm-hmm. Partially, it goes out Eagle River Road, and then it must be looping up. Oh, look at that! Else. It really kind of goes right through. Yeah, because look at there's jitters over there, yeah. and then there's mm-hmm. the other, there's a McDonald's is on the other side of the new di- other district. Yeah, so that Eagle River Loop Road, uh, right there, that's yeah. kind of like one of the main arterials, right? That's the big dividing line as it rolls out the valley. That's going out to the Eagle River Nature Center, right? So you basically have uphill downhill from okay from the road now um i live in that district the the new one uh, the open the new, seat i do yeah actually i live out in peter's creek are you so making an announcement right now i am <laughs> no i am not thank you very much <laughs> so yeah it'll be a seat that goes from eklutna to government hill yeah see, and it goes all the way in the mountains too back here way back right. in the chugach mountains but yeah, yeah you're right it goes eklutna so it, it's going to end at the moa border there which is at eklutna It'll go all the way. It's connecting downtown Eagle River through the empty land on Jay Bear, going all the way across Jay Bear, picking up Government Hill and downtown Anchorage. It's even got 49th State in there. Look at oh, that. yeah. It's got all the businesses on 3rd and 4th Avenue. Mm-hmm. And it's got the tippy part of Muldoon. Look at that. If you scroll into that top part of Muldoon, it's got Tkotnu. Well, And that's how Nelson gets put in there, too. Look at that. Yep. Nelson's mm-hmm. on the other side of the... Uh, of Boundary Avenue. Wow. Right. Yeah. So you're going to have... No one knows where anyone lives, right? No one knows where no, anyone no, lives. None of these board members know where anybody lives. I mean, it's just, these are big coincidences. These, these amazing coincidences happen all over the map. Yeah. yeah. So Eklutna and 49th State Brewing are in the same district. There you so, go. So so the, the cascade here... Now, now, my observation here, and I'm sure everybody has opinions and things, but this basically creates two pretty solid uh, Republican Senate seats, right? I think, yeah, I think the um, issue you're going to have in the, yeah, well, Reinbold's in one of them, right? Correct. So she's already in it, and the presence of Muldoon will not not change that, probably. Um, I mean, maybe you can fight, but that's a little tough. I mean, the ranked choice adds a little bit of an element that nobody's really, I think, mm-hmm. prepared to even, we can all guess, but we, can we, all we, guess. we don't know what's going to happen. We don't happen. really know, exactly. And yes, this this Eagle River seat, so really what you've done is you've taken a city, Eagle River, that needs to have, it deserves to have its own city and one senator, and you've given them one and a half senators. No, no hasn't this... Two senators. Hasn't this been... I, I talked to somebody earlier. Hasn't this been kind of this way in the past? I mean, a long time ago, weren't, weren't, wasn't... Didn't Bill Wilikowski represent part of Eagle River a long time ago? Uh, I think you're thinking of Betty Davis. I thought And Bill, Bill might have when he first got this Back in like 2006 or... Well, Betty Davis had this seat and lost it to Anna Fairclough because of this exact thing. From 2012 redistricting. Right. Because right. B- before that, I'm almost positive that, I mean, part, maybe it wasn't the same thing, but it was part of East Anchorage was looped up. And I mean, at one point, Kathy Giesel had Eagle River 
Yeah, they, there was a seat that came over the mountain. Mm-hmm. And so th- it was a Senate pairing that was the Chugach Mountain seat. So it was Eagle River and South Anchorage. Which, came, is, which is probably actually closer to the reality than right. Eagle River. I mean, if, and it wasn't Eagle do. River proper. It's just Eagle River Valley and the upper hillside. So so what does this do now if this holds and they approve this? So say legal challenges. We have these two Eagle River seats that end up in kind of J. Bear one and then Muldoon and the other. And then we have this seat. This is, to me, this is the weird one. This one where the incumbents are Ivy. So it's Bill, Bill Wilikowski, he's in the Senate seat. That's not paired. Ivy's the house rep. There's no other. The other one's an open house seat. This one's an open house seat over here. Um, but this is like, it barely touches. Right. Is that okay? I mean, is that allowed? Yeah, that's allowed. Okay, so that 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 actually, it seems like it helps Bill because he loses the base. Right. And that's, you know, bases, they vote Demo- Republican. So, so that's, and then we have this other one over here with, this is this really kind of downtown district. So we have Drummond, Fields, the house reps, then we have baggage and then tar is the other house rep. Right. So this is kind of a pretty democratic looking district. Would you say? Would, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Downtown and Fairview and Mountain View. Mm-hmm. And the other one we have here is this mid, this is the one I'm in the Midtown one mm-hmm. where Tuck and Tuck and Josephson got paired in the house district. Yeah. And then LV Gray Jackson will be the incumbent. Correct. So this one probably is progressed democratic leaning, right? Cause you end up going with Midtown it's probably, probably, probably it's going to be a toss-up, actually. It's, that's a tough district. Yeah. Yep, that's a tough district. That'll be a fight. And then we have the Revac one where he's left alone. But then you have, is it, let's he see got, here. Yeah. Kaufman is the house and then Shragi. Now, this is a Republican seat. It looks like it's it's basically Lower Hillside, Abbott, and then. Right. I think, you know, the Lower Abbott loop part, the part that where Shragi wins, is a little bit, you know, more, um you know, it's a little bit less conservative the yeah. lower down the hillside you go. Uh, but yeah, everyone's kind of in their nice little boxes, literally there. And then we have the Holland seat over here where right. the, the, the only house rep there is Shaw. Right. And then you get districts. over to the west side where it's really messy. So this is um, this is the one where Von Imhoff and, and Mia got put into the same house Correct. district. Correct. And then this one is basically the airport. So this and according is, to your map, you've got McKay in there. And Rasmussen, yeah, McKay, yeah, McKay's in there because this is before he was. This is the this is the updated map. Yeah, so McKay's in there in the um, the lakes seat, and then you have Clayman and Rasmussen in the uh, Turnigan seat. Basically, yeah, I'm just showing I'm just showing Senate pairings. Yeah, right? yeah. I can I can add the House pairing, but mm-hmm. so that's Anchorage, and then the fair, what happened here in fair and the Wasilla. There's a yeah. These are all so we have. Big seat here, this kind of, this is the Wasilla seat. Correct. This is, ends up being Wilson. He, and he was up last time, but he could, this changed quite a bit, this district. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Let me see. He got truncated. He's up. So Wilson's going to be up? Yep. And then this is one that where Eastman Kirka got paired. Correct. And then we have the shower one over here. This is that really big one. It's huge. Look it includes wow. the whole Denali Borough, too. Wow. It's all of rural Matsu and the Denali Borough. For somebody who, like, I've run in Anchorage, it's so easy. You can literally drive across the district yeah. in 10 minutes. These guys have to, like, Donnie Olson, too, and Lyman Hoffman. I mean, you, you literally have to get in there. I think this goes to Valdez. So it's down here. Yeah, this yeah. is that weird Valdez one. Yeah, so Shower got Valdez, and all the way up to the park, all the way up to the border of Fairbanks, because his Senate seat is now all of the Denali Borough, and 
the the rest of the Matsuburo and Wasil. I mean, and Valdez. What about Hughes? Now she was just up last time, but this, uh, did this change? Is she truncated? She's truncated. Yeah, so she's up again. She's up again. Now this this is interesting because Tilton used to have part of Anchorage, but now they've really changed this. Right. This right. This house, so these house districts. This is part of that. Um, Anchorage doesn't have enough population for. Um, they have almost enough population for the 16 seats that they have. They have like 16, they have 15.75 seats or something mm-hmm. like that. So they need a small fraction of people if they needed them in the last redistricting too. So this is where I live is out on the northern end of the Muni. And so in the last redistricting, they broke the borough boundary that direction. And for the Birchwood Loop, the Birchwood Loop is, is paired with the Butte and pieces of Wasilla. And Kathy Tilton was our rep. So, so they can either go north or south for the population graph. But they can't go both. The problem is Matt Sue was already overpopulated as well. So you can't go into an overpopulated area in, you know. So they went south. And, and, so, and now Matt Sue actually has an open house seat too. Right. I think they do. They do. They have Jesse Sumner. Yeah. For, yeah. There's a couple of people that have. Well, he didn't file for the house. He filed an open letter of intent. But he's mm-hmm. in. there's a new open house seat in the valley. I can pull that up here. Let me show you. So. I gotta give a shout out to Robert Hockema. He's my my map wizard. This guy's really smart. So house districts. Here's the open house seat. Yeah, you're right. Right the in the middle of this town. This is kind of Bogard, I think. Right? Is that? Yeah. Kind of near Palmer, between Palmer and Wasilla. So yeah, there's an open house seat out there, and then you'll have, um, you know, the Senate pairings are logical. You know, you have the two Wasilla seats get paired together in a Senate seat, and the Palmer and, or, or, you know, the environs like Butte. And Knick are in the Palmer Senate seat, and then you have the rural Matsu seat. And there was some debate about that yesterday. I think Bethany wanted something different, but but they ended up after a lot of discussion, they just kind of went with the current what they what they approved now. Right? Yeah. I mean, so for the Valley or for the Fairbanks, um, let me take out the House incumbents. So it's important to note that the city of Fairbanks, the two districts in the city of Fairbanks, must be paired together based on previous court decisions. Okay. So that informs all decisions. You have to first pair those guys. I mean, they're com- they're com- they're, they are touching other districts, but they must be paired together. Look, at, so Kawasaki's in his own district, uh, Bishop's in his own district, and then uh, who's, who's the other one? Um, it's Myers. Meyer out there. But look mm-hmm. at how close, wow, look at how close Kawasaki and Bishop are to the border, yeah. uh, the boundary. Yeah. They're both like... Very close to it. Very close. So, yeah. so now I don't know this as much as you do. How much do their districts change? Kawasaki, Bishop, and Myers. Um. Well, so Bishop probably Bishop used to ha- he picked up a little bit more. This whole Esther side of this was not his before. That was uh. It's Wool's. Yeah. Oh, actually, show. he might have had that before. So Bishop's seat is not radically different. He has that whole Kronk seat too. And he's up anyways. And he, he's up anyway. Yeah. yeah. And the downtown seat changed a little because it just grew. It had to get more population. Um, and so they went down and they have a significant piece of Fort Wainwright in the downtown district. Mm-hmm. Now it had a piece before. Now it's got more. And this is the one Kawasaki really fought to win from right. Kelly in 18. So right. That, that's a... Kind of, I guess, call it toss. Maybe it's mm-hmm. a little more Republican now. The the district that changed the most is this, uh, the Rob Meyer seat. Um, so the North, House seat up North, there. North yeah, Pole. the North Pole. That Goldstream Fox, That all of that turf used to be in a 
in a house seat across the northern part of Fairbanks. You know, so you would have Esther, Goldstream, all of those things were in one house seat. And that house seat just kind of got carved up. And so Grier Hopkins lives in um, the very tippy corner of that new house seat. And oh, there um, right there. yep, there he is right there. He lives in Goldstream, but not as far out. And he moved he? to, he, he sold, he bought a new house right. last year before June 1st. So mm-hmm. I think before he would have actually been, if he would have stayed in his old place, he would have been over here. <laughs> it might've been. So yeah, I, I, cause I, yeah, I was, I was checking on that. So, so what's really different in here is, you know, clicks seat is mostly the same. Meyer's seat picks up a little bit more of the top of Fairbanks that it never had before. Did Myers get truncated? Cause he was up last time. Or he won last. He beat Coghill, twenty twenty. Yeah, he got truncated. So he's up again. Yeah. And so, then, so who's safe? Uh, uh, Stedman, Olson. Well, I think if what now it's funny as I read this sheet, I need to be really clear to the listeners. This this is based on the, this is based on a sheet that we have preliminary that, information that just lists who got truncated in twenty two. Yeah. It. I think that it, but I'm not clear. So I think everybody who's not listed here doesn't have to run to 22. I think that's what this we're, is We're saying. still, this is very preliminary. They yeah, haven't put yeah. out a final. So the people who appear not to be running in 22 are Bert Stenman, Jesse Keel, Gary Stevens, Pete Machicki. See, I think Jesse Keel, he won in 18, so I think he has to be up, doesn't he? That's why this doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, he would have to be because he, because Stedman just won in 20. Yeah. And and uh, Olsen just won in 20. Um. But so, Keel was 18, so he has he would have to be up. Truncation is different than hitting the than being caught in the pattern of having to run every other year, right? Oh, okay. So truncation means your seat was so geographically different that you must run because you have less than 70% less than 70% of your old seats. So some of them are going to be truncated but they're already up anyways. <clears throat> Correct. And then there'll be people who are not truncated who are up because of the rotation. Yeah, so the A and B. The, <clears throat> the, the A and B, which is hard to keep track of because they haven't re- they haven't released, at least to my knowledge, when last time I checked, how they're going to do the A and Bs here. Um, where are they starting? Are they starting with, is Burt Stedman A, and because he just won, is he not up? And then mm-hmm. Jesse Keel is B because he, he was it's his time. So are they ever going to start? I mean, at this point, do they start looking at these people or do they still quote unquote, not know what's going on or. Yeah. They quote unquote, not know what's going on. This will be a application of just an AB metric, right? They'll start with a and they'll start with one end of the alphabet and they'll go every other. Some of this is so like Orwellian. It's like the ministry of plenty when everybody's yeah. starving and yeah. you know, the yeah. ministry of truth when it's all it's more like the ministry of magic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what do you, I mean, you, you think, I mean, there's always lawsuits, and now it seems to be. I mean, I thought after the house stuff, it, a lot of people I talked to said, "Look, it's it's really not. There's some things on the margins, but nothing like glaring." But now it sounds like things are a little more glaring. I think that that's true. I think if they had done more rational pairings in Anchorage, they might have evaded being sued within by anything meaningful. I say that, but I actually think the Matt Sue and Valdez are pretty torqued. And so they may be suing no matter what. So I know, no, the, the weird, so I ran, I ran in 12 and I remember this clearly, there was all this debate about like, even by May, I think they were still not sure where the map was going to be. 
And it was really frustrating because you're because you're like, well, where, where are you running? Right. And I used to have Kevin Meyer, and then I you know ended up in Lisa McGuire's district. Mm-hmm. But there was a Fairbanks, and I think a Juno lawsuit back in 2012. Right. So they adopted this uh, interim map. Interim map in 2012, and then they did a whole new map in 2013. Yes. Which affected the 14 race. Right. Um, but now it seems like maybe the voting rights, the preclearance, sped it up. But it seems like things are probably going to be resolved. By spring, even if there's lawsuits, you'd think they would be resolved by spring time. Would you? Is that fair? I hope so. Um, it is true that when you file a redistricting lawsuit, it is you've heard of the term rocket docket. It it goes immediately to the front of the pile yeah. of everything that a, a judge is going to look at. So the judge will get the the pleadings and they will immediately start taking action. So. It kind of depends on how complicated the suit is. And they have till December 10th to file lawsuits, right? Yeah. 30 days from tomorrow. 30 days from tomorrow. And then you go through the process, but you have to get to the Supreme Court, right? So it's like boom, boom, boom. And you have to be done and have a map available to people. June 1st is the filing deadline. You have to have lived in the district by May 1st, right? June 1st of the previous year. Oh, previous year. Yeah, okay, June, so yeah. they just need to have a map out by June 1st. So, so this could be state or federal, depending on how they sue. Is that right? State state court or federal court? Oh, you know, I don't know that. I, I think, assume so, but I don't know. I think it could, and sometimes state court, you know, one child can, can remove it to federal court. or so. Right. I, I think, think by and large, the issues here are with the state constitution more than the federal uh-huh. constitution, because we're not really suing over one person, one vote issues. I mean, there are some jurisdictions that could be making that argument because we have. Well, the voting rights stuff could be, if yeah. that was considered, that could be mm-hmm. a federal. Yeah. But in any case, it seems like even if there's lawsuits and they get filed in December, um, if it takes four months, that's um, April. So I think we'll probably have a, because the problem was in 2012, it was so close to the June 1st deadline that people were literally candidates weren't sure what they were going to, what districts they were going to be running in. Well, let's just hope the parties involved are organized and they're getting ready to go and they file immediately and, you know, you will have one or you could have multiple or you could have one suit. There's, you know, you could have one suit, you could have multiple suits that end up being combined at the Supreme Court into a master suit. I think they did that last time. It was like Fairbanks and Juno and then the Supreme Court took them in totality. So so will the courts, and I guess this... Maybe it depends, but do they just do the their own, their own map, or do they go back to the board and say fix this, or can they come out and say here's here's the map, here's what you should have done? They can do. Uh, they can do. They can remand it back to the board with instructions. That's the most common thing. But another thing they can do is they can bring in what's called a special master. Oh yeah, like like I've, I've mm-hmm. just watched a, a Netflix movie about in, after nine eleven the um, the fund. Oh yeah, uh, with, yeah. Um, Michael Keaton. Yeah. And he played the special master for that, which was a big, but that's when you get the special master, that's like, you got a lot of power. You can pretty much do what you want. And, you know, you're going to bring in somebody who's pretty familiar with the constitution. It'll probably be a lawyer. They'll draw a map that complies with the constitution maximally. And what they'll do, I would assume, is look at all of the other maps that are in the record, which is kind of like, why does AFFR go through all of this? Just to have the board ignore your work? Well, it's because when you get to court. Mm-hmm. If you were able to solve this Jenga, this this Rubik's Cube more satisfactorily vis-a-vis the Constitution than the board, your map stands to rise to the level of being adopted by the court. 
or implemented by the court. I should have done it. We should have done the landmine map. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe maybe in 10 years. Yeah. Maybe you should. Yeah. Next time. So that's why these groups go to this, go to this, uh, go through this whole exercise is to try to demonstrate to the court that if the, if, if the party involved feels that the, that the board has not met the standard, that they were able to solve this question in a more compliant way. And for example, AFFR, we absolutely believe we have a far more constitutional map. Now the board didn't adopt our map, but maybe it serves as a um, something to hold up in court to say, you solved these problems in this way. The way you solved them was not as com- as constitutionally compliant as they could have been because this other map has done it better. Mm. So that's kind of what this is all about is getting to this point. So, so likely the suits won't be filed for at least a few weeks because you have to find litigants, find mm-hmm. attorneys, file the lawsuit. So right. it could be a situation where the lawsuits are filed you know, mid to mid to early to mid December, right, right before the deadline, maybe or yeah, early well, December. You know, um, I don't know about the timing of all that. All I know is um, that I can't remember a time there wasn't a lawsuit. So I'm assuming. People I think have been yeah, watching. I think there's, yeah. I mean, it sounds like yeah. it's inevitable. It's just yeah. a matter of who and when. Right. So, yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you coming in. Um, first podcast and, and are, you've, you've been in the old place I used to use. Oh, yeah. What do you, yeah. What's, what I'm, do you think? I'm, this is my third time on your show. It is, yeah. I know. First do, I time win the, this. Do, I win the, do I win the prize? You do. Um, <gasps> and by the most I've got some, frequent guest. I've got something over here I'll find for I know. You. He's going to give me a present now. Right. There's, there's something. Fill. There's some paintings here. It's well, a dubious honor, but I appreciate it. I'm keeping the paintings, so they were they were gifts. <laughs> They're nice. Well, uh, appreciate you coming in. So again, folks, uh, you're the president of the AFL CIO Alaska, and uh, you're very involved in the politics world. So ha- love having you on the show. Well, thanks, Jeff. It's nice to be here to get my nerd on. I really it's, love it's, redistricting. It's great. I mean, I think it's it's something that everybody follows. Very few people follow, but it's very important, and I think it's good to for everybody to put the information out there so people can see it. Because it affects all of us. You're going to invite me back from my fourth show to talk about the Constitutional Convention. What a terrible idea that is, right? I, I do. Want, so there was a meeting there a few weeks ago. And there's a group yeah. uh, kind of formed, forming yeah. that's going to be, and I think that's going to be, I do want to talk about that because I think that's going to be the issue for this next election. I agree with I you. Think the governor is going to push it. It's never gotten much track. I mean, it's never gotten really pushed, but it has gotten 40% before. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think the floor on that thing's 35%. So it's, it's really, can you get 15, 16 more percent of votes to get, and then if that happens, if you open the constitution up in this political climate, oh my God. Right. Right. Oh boy. Oh boy. But it really, it really kind of is the ultimate answer for Dunleavy. It solves all of his problems, the judicial problem, mm-hmm. the permanent fund dividend problem, right. the, the, the um, taxation, the spending cap problem, the ta- I mean, all these problems, you can just say, well, vouchers for public schools, being can, able to fire a public employee at will, solving all kinds of problems with the budget. All I can say every time that comes up is, look, the legislature. I mean, I'm not saying I agree with this, but he can just say the legislature won't do anything, so we have to go to the people. This populist message to redo the constitution. Well, as my friend and new collaborator, my new bestie Kathy Giesel said. Politics may be broken, but that doesn't mean the Constitution is. Mm-hmm. What would you What would you have said five years ago if someone told you you'd be working with Kathy Giesel on some monumental state? I issue? think Kathy and I both would have looked at you in the face and said, mm, "I don't know about that. Seems unlikely." Yeah, but politics is strange. She, she's really cool. Yeah, she's um, 
she she lost, but she's she's doing her newsletter and she's staying very involved. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, I think sometimes you know things happen, and it's how do you res- you know respond to that, and what do you do going forward? So, well, I th- I um I have a lot of respect for her um her courage uh, and her honesty because it's really easy to tell everybody you can give them everything that they want. And we have a governor who told us that who hasn't produced a damn thing. And, um, they punished her for being honest. And is, is Holland truncated? Holland. He he won last time. I wonder if he's up because if he's up, I have a feeling she might, she put, she put 10 grand into her future campaign account you know this must be the seat that i don't know who it is and oh that makes sense um yeah he is truncated so he could he could potentially be up yes yes i think if he's up because this ranked choice this is another thing we could you know we've talked about that in the past you were against it right oh yeah and and i actually was a little agnostic i like the open primary but the Mm -hmm. ranked choice to me it was like and i've said this before I, i the confusion of people not knowing when they go vote what the hell is this Right. So I voted against it just because of that, but it passed. And um, I think it's interesting. And if people are informed and knowledgeable, I think it could have big impacts. But you were the one who told me a while back that you think it could potentially result in a bunch of maybe independent type people getting elected. And then there's no real real uh, coalition or there's nothing really holding, like parties kind of are the main thing that holds people together. Not always, but that's the main thing. If you have a whole bunch of independents, what's holding them together yeah. to form a co- uh, minority. Yeah, what, what are the what are the tenants that you agree on as a coalition? Like, where where are you? What's your what's your orientation? Right. What what what's your value structure? Because you have to. There has to be something you all agree on. Yeah. Otherwise, why are you in a? Co- I mean, you're in a coalition to create. To for, I mean, it's for power, right? But then, based on what? Like, what are the what are the negotiables and the non negotiables? Um, so we're a year, we're we're a year literally a year away from the election. Mm-hmm. What what would your prediction be right now? How do you think this is going to go as far as the out, like how, how people respond to and um, I guess deal with the, the ring choice voting? I think this first year, it'll be a lot of confusion. And I learned an interesting fact the other day, which is Australia who has had this system for years. Oh yeah. Right? I live, yeah. I live there for a year. Um, they 50% of the people still don't rank down ballot. Even though they've educated, educated, mm-hmm. educated, educated, so yeah, they also have compulsory voting. Yeah, so half the people don't go, don't do the five ranks, right, or the four ranks, or whatever their ranking is. So, I think that'll be really interesting to see how many people actually have enough information or feel comfortable enough to rank people, or do they view view it to be strategic to not rank people? Like, there's two things. One is don't rank them; it's a strategic choice, or don't rank them because you're like. I feel uncomfortable. I don't well, know enough about five. I don't. I can't do. I have enough time to research five people. The, the, I think the real strategy, and it's going to probably impact a lot of races, is the, who gets how many people pick somebody for their second second choice. Oh yeah, because well, very. Yeah. I think very rarely somebody's going to get fifty one. I'm, I'm sure it'll happen. They'll get fifty one percent on the first ballot or the first round, but I think that's and the bigger race is not going to happen. Yeah, and it's like, well, who's Oh, no, and we will not second? know for a very long time. Well, you saw what happened in New York a few, a few yeah. months ago. Yeah. That, that was, now they were ranking like 15 people in a primary, which is crazy. Right. I mean, four or five, okay, you know, it's a little more yeah. manageable, so. Yeah, I think there's going to be some mechanical things that are going to have to be worked through 
and you know how are you going to do a how how are you doing a recount like who gets to do a recount that's all i mean it's all computer based right i mean there is going to be paper uh, there's paper ballots, ballots no my question is what if you lose what if you want a recount and you got rec- if you were the first person to be like uh, how, eliminated yeah right how does that work Right. So there's, I have all these like structural questions. Well, there's, there's, I wonder if the, the thresh, threshold stays the same for the automatic recount. What is it like half a percent or something? Mm-hmm. 0.5% for an automatic recount. And it, so in that case, you know, you have a, an R, a D, an Alaska Independence Party. That's a normal manifestation in almost every house district in, Amer- in Alaska, right? Mm-hmm. Then you get rando, who knows what party, another D, another R, Sometimes an libertarian. Independ- a libertarian, or an, or an independent running right up the middle. We have four independents serving in the Alaska legislature now, right? Mm-hmm. So the question will be, who gets recycled first? And then most notably, who gets recycled third? The, yeah. first, per- the first person who recycled is probably a five to 10 percenter. Then the, th- but the third person, Probably that could has. be a 25 or 20 or 25 percent. Exactly. So the third recycled person is the kingmaker in so many of the districts. I think it's also going to have a huge impact on how people campaign because, you know, if, if you're in a heads up race or a three way, three, three way race, it's pretty easy to say, well, fuck that guy. He's an idiot. I don't like, you know, vote for me because he sucks. Right. That's one way to campaign. But you don't really want to do that anymore because if you do that, they, they, they might say, well, uh, I don't like that. I'm going to make that guy first or second. I mean, they, they, they could have an impact on the, the strategy of the voter. That was part of the sales pitch. It's going to make people be nice. Well, I think it, it might just make people nervous to be mean. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe it depends on who the candidates are. This whole other thing with the open primary, that's people still get, I still get asked about that. You vote for one person in the primary. If there's 20 people on the primary ballot, you vote for one. And then the top four... Go to the, to the general where the ranked choice happens. So that's another kind of. I love the I love the single primary. I hate that. I've always hated the two ballot. People always get confused and angry. Did you grow up here? No, you grew up in. No, I grew up in New Mexico. In New Mexico, I moved here when I was nineteen. So I essentially for the purpose of voting, I was basically out. Because it used to be when I first started doing politics here, we had we had an open primary, and then it closed. The Republicans closed yeah. the primary. So. Well, Kale, we, used, we used to have that a long time ago. My friend Kale of last year before that vote did like a re, like a review episode where he mm-hmm. talked about the history of voting. And we, we we've had open we've had one primary in the past. We used to have like three primaries. We had all these different. So we've had this weird over history. We had a lot of changes to our primary system. There was there was I think there was a vote at one point to change it. Right. It was part of the campaign finance reform package mm-hmm. in 1996. So this 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 is we're back to the single. Yeah. And now we got the ranked choice. So Yeah. I think it's, it's gonna, gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. I think it'll all just kind of depend on you know, how do partisans fare of either party over time. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone knows sixty percent of Alaskans don't choose to affiliate with either party. Yep. The question is like how many of those people are just partisans in hiding? Some of them are. I mean like Some when of I, them are. when I've run before I've gone door to door and it's a U or an N, but Sometimes you'll talk to him and it's like, I'm a fucking Republican and right, right. I'm a Democrat. And you're like, well. Right. And so there are people who do that for a myriad reasons, right? And then there's those people who truly are voting for whatever moves them. They pick, they can go either way and then, and you don't, and it just depends on what it moves them, right? 
they're a smaller group of people. I mean, I always tell people, I, 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 this is true. I mean, this is the numbers. We live in a red state. We live in a, in a, in a mm-hmm. Republican state. Now, some districts can go either way, and that can impact the legislature. But I wonder, living in a red state, you know, what happens with this Don Young, Nick Begich situation, Lisa Murkowski, Kelly Chabot? I mean, Governor Dunleavy might pick up a Republican opponent, too. So how does that, you know, if there's, if there's like, if it was like Dunleavy and like, let's say some Republican, let's say Reinbold, for example, I don't know. And then Walker and then Lescara. Who go? I mean, if 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 Reinbold were to go off first, or let's say if Guerra were to go off first, I think his votes recycled to Walker most of them. If Reinbold goes off first, I think her votes were to recycle to Dunleavy. But then the question is, if nobody gets that kingmaker, right, that third, that third, mm-hmm. second person to drop off, right? Yes, Ooh. exactly. I think the other problem this is going to have is we already have this massive um, lack of kind of confidence in the election system, which is a problem in this country. And this is going to be so confusing to some people. Yeah. I think there could just be a whole, Yeah, you know, we don't, this is bullshit. Yeah. Whoever loses could say this is fixed. Uh, well, uh, I think if uh, history of any indication, somebody's going to say Republi- it's fixed. If Republicans lose, they're much more likely to. <laughs> they're going to say it's that, fixed. That's actually my fear for 2024. My, mm-hmm. my ultimate fear for this country I think the worst case scenario is Trump runs in 24 or DeSantis or Cotton or somebody and they lose barely. I think that's lights out. I think, I think states are going to say, no, we're going to send competing electors, the military. I mean, it sounds like crazy to even say that. I think that's really where things could be. That's so sad. I mean, you have some huge amount of people don't even trust the election system anymore, especially on the Republican side. Yeah. Yeah. Believing their own press releases. It's, it's really not weird. It's not a good, kind of depressing. Sad, sad note to end on. Sad note to end on. But but we're going to do really good here for Alaska next year, yeah, right? Yeah, we are. <clears throat> I think we're going to have a, this is going to be a very lively cycle. You know, with all of these senators up, 40 House members, a governor, a U.S. senator, Don Young getting scrapped at from the side, mm-hmm. uh, and... Uh, two ballot initiatives, you know, the Constitutional Convention, and I'm assuming tribal recognition will get enough signatures. What's so that? Tri- oh, tribal, tribal, sorry, tribal, 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 tri- tribal, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, it'll be a really interesting year. I mean, the, the Murkowski one's going to have massive nationwide attention. Oh, yeah. And the Don Young probably won't pick up some attention because he's just so, he's so, so well known in, in D.C. He's been there since, I can't believe it's 73. Yeah, it's remarkable. It's like, wow, I wasn't born until Were you born? No, I was born in 84. <laughs> Oh my God, you were born in 84? Why are you laughing? What were you doing? Were you in the military? I was Did in the you? army. Yeah, we talked about that in one of the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a good note to end on. Yeah, that's a good note to end on. <laughs> Thanks, more, Jeff. Well, it's, it's, at least it's like we're laughing instead of, <laughs> instead of crying. <laughs> well, Joel Hall, it's been great talking oh, to you. Love, nice love to that you here. came in. Um, I'll be watching the redistricting. So for the folks listening, go to the akredistrict.org and they'll have those maps up. And then we're going to have our, our article out with me and that guy, Robbie, probably on Friday with our kind of breakdown of everything. And so. stay tuned. More, more to come on redistricting. We're certain. I'm, sh- I'm, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure. I'm sure you're I'm right. right. Yeah. Okay. Well, Joel Hall, thanks for coming in. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Jeff. Okay. Bye, everybody. Folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or uh, want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.